Hello, my name is Alex and I'm a renal registrar and I'm going to be talking to you uh, today uh, on this podcast about chronic kidney disease. Um, so what we're probably going to do is end up breaking this talk into uh, a few chunks because there's quite a lot to get through. Um, and this is basically going to be an introduction to chronic kidney disease, which is, as I'm sure you're aware is a very big topic. Um, so it won't be completely comprehensive, but what we do hope is that you'll come away with a better understanding uh, of some of the key points. Um, and this will hopefully serve you well uh, in your interview scenarios. So to begin with, how do we define chronic kidney disease? Well, um, you may have heard of KDIGO, which is an organisation um, called Kidney Disease Improving Global, Global Outcomes. Um, this is one of really the main bodies um, in, in renal medicine that, that makes a lot of the guidelines. Uh, and I encourage you to have a look at their website because um, there's a lot of really great resources on there relating to um, most aspects of kidney disease. So uh, the definition of chronic kidney disease, according to the KDIGO definitions, is um, abnormalities of kidney structure or function present for greater than three months with implications for health. And the CKD is classified based on cause, um, glomerular filtration rate category, and albuminuria category. Okay, so abnormalities of kidney structure or function present for greater than three months with implications for health. And then subdivided uh, based on cause, GFR, and albuminuria. Uh, and so that particular definition is taken from the KDIGO 2012 uh, CKD guidelines. So, as we've said, CKD is classified or defined on, basis, uh, on the basis of abnormalities of kidney structure function that present for more than three months with implications for health. Okay? So, in order to have that, you can either have a reduced GFR or markers of um, abnormal uh, kidney structure or function, or both. Okay? So, the GFR. Um, categorization um, goes from G1 to G5, which classifies um, CKD on the basis of um, increasing uh, severity of uh, kidney impairment, i.e. sort of G1 and that's normal high GFR, and you go down to G5, uh, where your GFR in mils per minute, uh, uh, 1.73 meters squared um, of body surface area is less than 15. So, um, so it is possible to have a normal GFR and have CKD if you have other markers of kidney damage. And the kind of markers we're talking about um, include albuminuria, urinary sediment abnormalities, um, electrolytes and other abnormalities due to tubular disorders, and structural abnormalities uh, which can be detected on imaging. So this could be something like polycystic kidney disease or a history of kidney transplantation. So in terms of the staging, so we've got G1, which is GFR greater than or equal to 90 mils per minute. G2, 60 to 89. G3, which is subdivided into G3A and G3B. Um, so G3A is 45 to 59. Uh, G3B, which is 30 to 44. Uh, G4, uh, which is 15 to 29. And um, less than 15, which is um, G5.
So for those of you who are watching on the version of the podcast where you can see the slides, you'll see that here um, I've taken from KDIGO guidelines some uh, markers of uh, kidney damage other than GFR. Um, so I've mentioned some of them, so it is quite a long list, so it, it is it is um, worth looking at the slides if you can, but just um, to summarise really, um, albuminuria, so the, the loss of albumin the protein in the urine um, uh, and so that could be sort of um, albuminuria on an albumin to creatinine ratio greater than or equal to three milligrams per millimole and that kind of um, is what we would define as um, our threshold for microalbuminuria and once you get over uh, great, well, to greater than or equal uh, greater than or equal to 30 milligrams per millimole that's overt so proteinuria, um, other abnormalities that can be associated with or have defined CKD other are urinary sediment abnormalities um, such as uh, isolated non-visible microscopic hematuria with abnormal red blood cell morphology, uh, red blood cell casts, white blood cell casts, uh, oval fat bodies or fatty casts in diseases with proteinuria granular casts and renal tubular epithelial cells um, and these can be seen in many parenchymal diseases. Um, other thing, other um, markers of kidney damage are renal tubular disorders so such as renal tubular acidosis, uh, Fanconi syndrome um, and other uh, abnormalities uh, detected by uh, histology um, or kind of inferred uh, pathologic abnormalities based on the clinical syndrome uh, and so these can include glomerular disorders, vascular disorders, tubular disorders uh, and disorders such as uh, uh, cystic or congenital disorders. In addition to this anyone who's had a kidney transplant is uh, automatically uh, defined as having chronic kidney disease I suppose that's no, that wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and then other structural abnormalities such as polycystic kidneys, dysplastic kidneys, um, cortical scarring due to infarcts or previous pyelonephritis, um, things like vesicoeteric reflux, um, infiltrative renal disease that can cause masses or uh, enlarged kidneys, um, kidneys that are, are small or obstructed, um, chronic obstruction, and renal artery stenosis. And so we've spoken about CKD classification by GFR um, for staging. Uh, so that's the kind of um, G1, G2, G3A, G3B, G4, G5. Um, so it, it's also classified according to uh, the degree of albuminuria a person has. Okay. So for instance, someone with uh, mildly to moderately decreased GFR uh, but severely increased albuminuria uh, would be a G3A so mild to moderately decreased um, GFR and then the albuminuria is classified as uh, A1 to A3 so they fit into um, A3 so we say this person has G3A A3 chronic kidney disease and so A1 um, is basically no albuminuria, so less than 3 milligrams per millimole 
um, A2 is 3 to 30 milligrams per millimole, and then greater than 30 milligrams per millimole is our overt proteinuria. Um, and so patients who have got um, low GFRs and high uh, albuminuria uh, are at high risk of CKD progression. So these um, patients are actually um, uh, uh, they, they can use your you can use your seeking staging also as a sort of prognostic um, uh, indicator. So if you can for those who can see the slides, I've taken this um, sort of grid from KDIGO, and what you'll notice is um, so on the left hand side we've got CKD staging from G1 to G5. Okay, so G1 being normal or high GFR, G5 being um, GFR less than 15. Uh, and across the top, uh, on the right-hand side, you'll see A1 to A3. And you'll notice that these boxes are shaded. Okay, And so the boxes, the green, actually um, are in the top left. And this means that uh, if, if there are no other markers of kidney disease um, at that level of GFR, they're not classified as having CKD. So I'll explain this as an example. So someone with a GFR greater than equal greater than or equal to 90, with a urinary albumin creatinine ratio of less than 3 milligrams per millimole does not have CKD. Okay. Um, if I were to move one box to the right and say, okay, they've got a normal or high GFR, but their albumin to creatinine ratio is 3 to 30 milligrams per millimole, then this would be CKD G1, so G1 because their GFR is high, uh, but A2. So that would be chronic kidney disease. So if your GFR is 60 or above with no other markers of kidney disease, um, then you don't have chronic kidney disease. So that, that's quite important. So those with GFR uh, over 60 have only got chronic kidney disease if you can demonstrate other markers of kidney disease. And those are the ones, the markers that we spoke about before. So that could be proteinuria, uh, but it could be uh, other causes such as, um, for instance, polycystic kidney disease. And for those of you uh, watching this uh, video, this uh, table just talks about the classification we've spoken about before, so I won't spend too long on that. So, EGFR, estimated glomerular filtration rate. So this is the uh, this is the marker that we, uh, or sorry, the calculation that we perform to work out what we think someone's glomerular filtration rate is. And this forms the G component of our CKD staging. So currently we use uh, what's called the CKD EPI equation. And this is an equation uh, that involves a number of variables, including age, sex, uh, creatinine, um, and in some instances race. But this is a bit controversial as being phased out as per recent nice guidance. So if we take it to just be age, sex and creatinine, there's a three variable um, equation that helps you to work out roughly where we think your um, glomerular filtration rate is. Um, you can incorporate uh, something else called cystatin C uh, into the equation uh, and this might be useful in patients um, with low body uh, low muscle mass because um, creatinine uh, is not a perfect marker 
uh, and it's um, a byproduct of, of muscular metabolism. So it is incorporated. It is affected by uh, things that will change in muscle uh, mass. And another point to make is that this EGFR equation is only validated for steady state. Okay? So in acute kidney injury, for instance, where things are changing rapidly, um, if you say something like the GFR has dropped from, or the EGFR has dropped from X to Y, uh, you're kind of, in, you're making use of an equation that's not validated in that um, non-steady state. So if you ever say to renal reg, the GFR has dropped from 30 to 20 in the context of an acute kidney injury, I think the first thing they'll say, the reflex answer you get is, EGFR is not validated in the steady state. Can you just tell me what the change in creatinine is? Um, so in order to um, avoid annoying the particularly um, pedantic uh, renal people who will no doubt be interviewing you or speaking to you on the phone, it's best not to talk about EGFR in the acute kidney injury. Um, and of course, if you did need further confirmatory testing of what someone's glomerular filtration rate is, um, you can administer some, an exogenous um, substance such as iohexol, uh, which uh, is a good marker of GFR because it will just undergo filtration and no other changes. So it should give you, um, by doing various measurements, it should give you a relatively uh, accurate um, measure of someone's glomerular filtration rate um, in situations where you think the EGFR is less likely to be reliable. So for those of you who can see the slides, I've included a table from the um, KDIGO guidelines from 2012, just talking about some sources of error uh, in sort of creatinine-based EGFR uh, measurements. So See, the top of the list is the acute kidney injury situation, which we've spoken about. Um, but there are other factors to consider. So um, creatinine generation or creatinine ingestion. So um, they mentioned here race and ethnicity. This is slightly controversial and the EGFR equation is changing to reflect that um, updated position. But extremes of muscle mass, extremes of body size, diet and nutritional status, um, high protein diets and creatine supplements can increase your creatinine uh, and similarly um, having uh, a high muscle mass will increase your creatinine and a low muscle mass will decrease it because it's uh, essentially a byproduct of muscle metabolism. So this is important to consider in patients who um, are either very uh, have a very wasted stature or uh, very muscular uh, and also patients um, such as amputees, because you can imagine if you've had um, your leg amputated, you've lost a lot of muscle, so the creatinine generation will be lower. And um, patients with cirrhosis who don't weigh very much, don't have a lot of muscle, you know, their creatinine can still be within what is classed as a laboratory normal, but um, given that they've got very low muscle mass um, most of the time, um, you know, it might not necessarily ring alarm bells. So you've got to remember that to interpret, uh, interpret creatinine in the context of, sort of muscle mass of the patient. Um, certain 
uh, muscle wasting diseases as well, like we've spoken about, uh, with the low muscle can uh, reduce that. And um, so creatinine is not just filtered at the kidney, so it's also secreted. Okay, so part of your body's mechanism for removing creatinine uh, is independent of glomerular filtration. Okay, um, so it gets secreted directly into the tubules, and certain drugs such as trimethoprene, trimethoprene being a classic example, but also cymetidine and various others, can reduce your body's ability to excrete creatinine. So this will cause a creatinine rise, but this is not via a reduction in GFR. So it's just worth bearing in mind when a patient's recently started on trimethoprene and their kidney function supposedly gets worse, what you're actually seeing is a drug-mediated inhibition of creatinine. And then some other things, so um, dialysis, um, you know, you are effectively filtering the blood, you're removing creatinine, okay, so patients on dialysis, the EGFR is meaningless because every time you have um, dialysis, you'll, you'll lower the creatinine, and then if you're, if you're then subsequently, or um, the, the computer system, um, in hospitals calculates an EGFR based on the creatinine. Um, so let's say someone's just had dialysis, their creatinine's gone down, the computer system will say that the EGFR has gone up. Um, but that's just a value calculated on creatinine and the creatinine's been manipulated by dialysis. So the concept of EGFR does not apply to dialysis patients. Okay. So um, you can assume that their EGFR or GFR is, is virtually zero. They may have some residual uh, kidney function, but if they're on dialysis, it's not likely to be enough to um, sustain homeostasis unless they've sort of been put on dialysis prematurely. Um, but so for all intents and purposes, just ignore EGFR in dialysis patients. Um, Other mechanisms of creatinine um, excretion. So the gut contains uh, creatinine, creatinase, sorry, I can't pronounce this, creatininase uh, enzymes, which will help you uh, get rid of creatinine. And this can be inhibited uh, by various drugs, including antibiotics. Um, and um, certain drugs and chemicals uh, can interfere with, with creatinine assays, so things like uh, bilirubin, etc. So for patients who um, you think creatinine might not be the best marker, so extremes of muscle mass, etc., um, you can do something called, you can use something called cystatin C, so this is another endogenous marker that's filtered which is not dependent on muscle mass. So again the same things apply about um, if you're calculating EGFR from cystatin C you can't really do this in AKI because it's not a steady, a steady state. Um, some caveats for this, so disorders of thyroid function, administration um, of corticosteroids, uh, these can uh, affect the assay as can things like smoking so it's not perfect but it's another tool 
uh, in the arsenal. And you can actually um, plug both creatinine and cystatin C into the Egypt uh, formula. And um, in terms of when to use cystatin C, so the guidance say we suggest using additional tests such as cystatin C or a clearance measurement for confirmatory testing in specific circumstances when EGFR based on serum creatinine is less accurate. So that would be things like we spoke about before, like extremes of muscle mass. So they say, we suggest measuring cystatin C in adults with an EGFR um, based on creatinine um, 45 to 59 who do not have other markers of kidney damage. And this is if confirmation of CKD is required. So if someone's got a EGFR of 45 to 59, no other markers of kidney damage, you can confirm it with the cystatin C. So if the equation incorporating either cystatin or cystatin and creatinine shows an EGFR of less than 60, the diagnosis of CKD is confirmed. And if this equation shows an EGFR greater than or equal to 60, the diagnosis of CKD is not confirmed.